courage, persistence, perseverance. Um, we can say that in the life of this gentleman, we truly saw that reflected. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy, all right? At the age of 22, he tried to start a business and failed miserably. So then in 23, he ran for legislator and lost. At age 24, he decided, oh, forget politics, let's go back to business and failed again. At 25, he's like, I'll give it one more chance. And he ran for legislator and he won. Good. At 26, his wife dies. And he suffers this great hardship. And at 27, he experiences a nervous breakdown. At 29, he runs for Speaker of the House and is defeated. At 31, he runs for elector and is defeated. At 34, he runs for Congress and is defeated. At um, 37, he tries again and is elected to Congress at this time. But then at 39, he's defeated again at Congre for Congress. At 46, he runs for Senate and is defeated. At 47, he runs for vice president and is defeated. So he goes back to run for the Senate at 49 and again loses. At 51, he's finally elected as the president of the United States. And we know him as Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, if you follow his history, had a couple wins in his life, right? And more, many of us just see the presidency. Like we just see the presidency, right? And we say, wow, you know, how lucky he may have been or how great it is for him to be president or whatever. But we don't see the many failures that he had to endure to get him there. We don't see that. I was at the baseball game yesterday. I was telling, you know, everybody was like, so, we know, you know, especially Eric. Eric was like, Pastor, baseball game is happening. I'm like, I didn't come to watch baseball. I came to hang out with you guys. I don't like baseball. <laughs> so I was like talking the whole game. And then he's trying to watch the game. I'm like, I came to hang out. I didn't come to watch no game. If it was football, it'd be different. Speaking of football. <clears throat> speaking of football. There was this guy, some of us may know him, right? His nickname was Sweetness. Who knows who Sweetness was? Who's Sweetness? Do you know who his, first, his real name is? Somebody said it. Yes. Look, give it up for Erica. Yo, you guys, you, the men in the house, you failed me. Give it up for Erica. Walter Payton, a.k.a. Sweetness, played in the NFL as a running back for 13 years. He's considered to be one of the greatest. There's some debate. There's some debate because of how long, how many games he played and how many games others. But he's considered one of the greatest running backs of all time. In his career, he rushed, which means that he ran, right, for 16,726 yards. That's a big deal. If you put that all together, that's more than nine miles worth of running. But what makes this number even more spectacular, right? What makes it more amazing, 
What makes it more powerful is that he ran that many yards but was still knocked down every four to five yards. So although he ran 16,000-plus yards, he was still getting knocked down about every five yards. What it shows is a life of perseverance. You get back up and you keep going. You keep going. Imagine getting knocked down. It's like, ah, I'm not doing this. Some, some people have done that. They play a sport. They get hit that one time. Like, that's not for me. That's not for me. But he kept going to keep going. If you're joining us today for the first time or you're watching online for the first time within the last three weeks, we are in a series called God Use Me. Uh, many times we, we see others that are, are being used in ministry. We see others, how God is functioning and, and flowing through other people. And we say, God, what do I got to do for you to use me? Like, I, I want to be used by God. Sometimes in just pondering life. We said, what kind of people does God use? And so what we've been doing in the last three weeks is we've been going through the life of Jeremiah, and we've been using his example to uh, relate to this is the kind of person that God God uses. This is the kind of person. Today, we're wrapping it up, and today's title is Keep Going. Keep Going going. Week one, it was no more excuses. If God is going to use you, we have to just put the excuses aside. That's it. No more thinking, I can't do this, or I can't go there, or I don't know. You're not going to many times. He does. No more excuses. That's a decision you need to make. The second week, we talked about having a heart that breaks for what God, what his heart breaks for. We need to ask God to place in us a heart that breaks for the things that breaks his. Week three, we talked about rising above discouragement. We will always find or encounter discouragement. If God is going to use you, you need to learn how to rise above it and keep going, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Jeremiah was definitely a man who persevered. He kept going. Oh, I'm going to start the timer now. You guys, it's an extra 15 minutes. Jeremiah was a man who persevered. He kept going. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 11 to 16. 11 to 16. When the Babylonian army left Jerusalem because of Pharaoh's approaching army, Jeremiah started to leave the city on his way to the territory of Benjamin to claim his share of the property among his relatives there. But as he was walking through the Benjamin gate, a sentry, a guard, arrested him and said, you are defecting to to the Babylonians. The sentry making the arrest was Arija, son of Shalemiah, grandson of Hananiah. (laughs) that's not true, Jeremiah protested. I had no intention of doing any such thing. But Elijah would not listen, wouldn't listen. He took Jeremiah before the officials. They were furious with Jeremiah and had him flogged and imprisoned 
in the house of Jonathan, the secretary. Jonathan's house had been converted into a prison. Jeremiah was put into a dungeon cell where he remained for many days. Yo, who has a dungeon cell in their house? First of all, right? But he was put there for many days. Jeremiah keeps getting knocked down. He's beaten again. Remember, we talked about this last week. And this is not the same situation. This, that was chapters ago. We're, we're forward now, right? We're, we're in a different situation, a different time. He's been beaten again. He's locked up again. At this point, Jeremiah has been faithfully proclaiming the message that God has given him for about 40 years. Some of you are like, mm, not me. Not 40 years. 40 years trying to tell him, listen, listen, my people. God is saying this. Destruction is coming. We need to repent. We need to turn back to God. 40 years Jeremiah is telling this to the people. Now, all his warnings are starting to come true. They're starting to to start to happen right before their eyes. Babylon had attacked Jerusalem. At this point, Babylon had attacked Jerusalem, and the fall of Jerusalem was imminent. It It was bound to happen, right? It was bound to happen. It was guaranteed. You would think that after 40 years of someone telling you that something was going to happen, and then finally that something is starting to happen, that you'd be like, <gasps> Jeremiah did say that God said, let's go to Jeremiah and see if there's anything we can do to try to stop this, right? Let's repent. Let's turn to God. He was right. This is not, you would think, right? Because many of us reading, like, you know, when you read the story, you're like, ah, oh, they're, they're going to turn back to God. And then when you keep reading, like, they're not doing it. What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? As a matter of fact, their hearts just grew colder. It just grew colder. (laughs) It's like the people that we have in our lives, some of us, some people have one or two people in their lives that never wants to be wrong. Like they will never be wrong. And then when they're wrong, they're going to take that, they're going to die. no, I'm still right. I'm still right. You know, and, and it's, like, it's like even when you can tell, even when it's, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this. It's like stubbornness. It's like I refuse to just say, you were right. You were right. I was wrong. The people of Judah are now seeing that uh, even though it's happening, they're still, their hearts are growing colder and they're not turning to God. They're not repenting. In fact, they keep going after Jeremiah. Keep finding ways to knock him down. Keep finding ways to try to, to capture him or to kill him or defeat him. Jeremiah, he kept getting back up. He can't, this guy can't catch a break, though. It's not just, you know, it's not just getting arrested. It's getting beaten up and arrested. It's like, you know, getting arrested, you get beaten up, and then you get thrown in prison. A dungeon at that, right? He kept getting back up. He was determined. He was determined to be faithful to God's orders, despite the suffering. He was was determined to be faithful to God's orders, despite the suffering. 
We are living in times that we do not want to suffer. Life has been made easy for us in so many avenues. I'm talking about like, you know, uh, <laughs> I wish I would have wrote some examples. Now, when we, when we were kids, I remember like, you know, it was kids today have everything because of what we endured <laughs> and, the thing, and how we got hurt. And, and the things that went wrong with us, the kids today don't have to do that because things have been invented. You know, we have uh, uh, safer programs. We have safer uh, schoolyards. It was concrete. My playgrounds didn't have the little pad, little foam pads. It was concrete. And the, and the lines were drawn on the cement. And then after many of us lost much skin, right, and scars to show falling in the playground, they were like, we should put some padding on the playground. And maybe our kids won't get scraped up. We don't have to suffer as much these days. The suffering that we endure is, I want to say, pathetic. Oh, the Wi-Fi is not working. (laughs) Jesus, please, what am I going to do? No Wi-Fi, and, 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 or, or no reception. And like we go, to, we go to some places and we're like, oh my, wait, one bar. We don't move the phone, we move us, right? Our suffering is we go to a restaurant with an, and this, is, this happens to me, I'm, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I go to a specific restaurant wanting a specific thing and they don't have it. No! Let's, get, let's go, babe. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The suffering that we endure today, can we really say we suffer? Now, we all go through things. It's not saying that, we, you know, not to minimize the pain that we go through with life and with family and relationships and things like that. But the suffering that our ancestors have gone through, none of us are really going through that suffering right now. So it's even harder for us to imagine being determined to be faithful to the word of God despite the suffering. Jeremiah persevered in obedience and he kept going. Keep going. So, how can I keep going? When it seems like everything's coming my way? How can I keep going when it seems like I keep getting knocked down? How can I keep going when adversity continues to just like uh, overwhelm me and try to hold me back, right? Especially when we're being faithful to the Lord, submitting to the Lord. I mean, Jeremiah's being faithful, and yet he's enduring suffering. How can we be faithful and determined and persevere and keep going when we encounter things which don't make sense because we've been, we're submitting to God. Trouble seems to continue to find me. We need to hold on to the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet, They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them them and will last forever. 
Listen, like, it's in the book. It says, your present troubles are small. And some of you are like, nah, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. Ah, Maybe it's big to you. But God is telling you that your present trouble is small. It's small. Your present circumstances, your trials, the tribulations, the frustrations, the things that you are dealing with right now that make no sense are small. They're small because we serve a God that is mighty. It's small because we serve a God that there is nothing impossible for him. Like these are the things that we need to be reminded of. And when when things seem too overwhelming, we need to be reminded that it's just small. And that the things that we're going through right now, they produce a glory. It outweighs it forever. Okay. So in our text, in our text, we see this. In our text, we, we see Jeremiah, he's getting arrested again. Now, uh, what's happening here is Jeremiah is leaving and it just so happens that, you know, the Babylonians, they went, they attacked, and they're like, all right, we'll be back later. And, and they're leaving the city, right? Um, why? What was happening? You know, it could have been a military uh, strategy of going in, you know, attacking, coming out. Whatever the case may be is the Babylonians are leaving the city. They're not defeated. They're not leaving because they're being defeated. They made a choice to leave. And then at that same exact time, Jeremiah's like, well, I have to claim some property in my, you know, where my ancestors, you know, my family's properties, I, I got I to take what's mine, get what's mine. And so he's leaving the city. At this moment, a guard grabs him and is like, you! Oh, you, you, you going with them? Oh, you with them? And I'm arresting you. I'm arresting you. It's funny because it's funny how, like, where was this dude when the Babylonians was, was attacking, right? I mean, you know, maybe he was, you know, hiding under a table or something, whatever the case may be. But he, he's real tough now. He's real big and tough now as they're on their way out. And he grabs Jeremiah and he arrests Jeremiah with the charge of, it says defecting there, but it's pretty much um, charging him as a traitor. They want to charge Jeremiah as a traitor. He says, listen, you've joined the Babylonians. You're with them. They were leaving. You were leaving. I caught you. Don't try to say anything. Don't try to deny it. Well, I was leaving. I was trying to to do some, I was trying to, you know, trying to get some some errands done. They accuse him of a traitor. Can you imagine how this angered Jeremiah? I just spent 40 years. Dealing with this country, my people, trying to beg you and urge you to repent because of the love that I have for my country, man. I'm here begging God to have mercy, saying, listen, listen, guys, you don't understand what God's going to do. He spent 40 years of his life. Have you guys not even 40 yet? All 40 years, because of his dedication to this country and also obedience to God. But the thing is, come on, you calling me a traitor now? You're calling me a traitor? I've been here 40 years. I could have been left. Well, in disobedience. But, you know, know, the point is that he was there 40 years. And now 
They are arresting him. They've arrested him and called him a traitor. How angry would you have been? 40 years being the constant truth, the voice of truth. 40 years persisting. 40 years uh, just constant. Constant. Faithful. Loyal. Some of us, some of us, we go through some really bad ups and downs when we're like loyal to a friend for a couple years and all of a sudden you have a dispute and you're no longer friends anymore. How could you? For the last couple years, I've been there for you. And then magnify that by 40 years. They arrested him, they beat him, and they imprisoned him for many days. Jeremiah 37, 17 says, Later, King Zedekiah secretly requested that Jeremiah come to the palace. Why am I, I got to be so secretive? Another Nick at night. <laughs> they, 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 he comes to the palace where the king asks him, Do you have any messages from the Lord? Yes, I do, said Jeremiah. You will be defeated by the king of Babylon. Now, I want you guys to picture this scenario. Here is Jeremiah, arrested, uh, um, charged as a traitor. He's beaten up, and he's thrown in prison. He's in prison at the moment when the king calls him secretly before him. Now he's got a platform before the king. He might have a chance to get out of prison. King asked him, does God have any word for me? And his response is, yes, he does. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. Does the king want to hear that? No. It would have been easy considering the circumstances for Jeremiah to just give in at this moment. It would have been easy to give up, to just stay down and not get back up. You know those movies like, what was it, Rocky? One, one of the Rockies, maybe he's done it a couple times, where they, like, they punch him and he gets back up and they punch him again and he gets back up and, he's, and they keeps getting back up, right? It, it's easy to just stay down. But Jeremiah, he keeps getting back up. And this is a moment where he gets back up, not only just gets back up, but gets back up in the face of the king. And was like, I am not going to bend or change this message. We cannot change the message when we keep getting knocked down. We can't change the message when you might find a sweet spot in front of some maybe important people. Some, you know, politicians or whatever the case may be. We can't change the message. He did not stay down. He kept getting back up and he kept proclaiming the truth. So it's easy to give up when all the signs in life keep pointing to defeat, right? You try something, you're serving the Lord, you're being faithful, and it's just things are not going right. Things are not going right. It's easy to say, oh, you know what? I tried. I did my best. 
Um, I'm going to try something else. Oh, well. Right? We compromise when we have this, oh, well, I tried mentality. But Jeremiah did not show us that through his example. He kept going. So it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. So it doesn't stop where he's just being accused (laughs) of being a traitor and he's arrested. It continues, and now he's being accused of tearing down the morale of the army. Jeremiah 38, 4-6 says this. So these officials, they went to the king and said, Sir, this man must die. That kind of talk will undermine the morale of the few fighting men we have. It's funny how people want to blame other people for their current conditions. Because guess what? For the fact that the morale was low with those few fighting men had nothing to do with Jeremiah telling the truth. They were getting beat badly. That will lower someone's morale, right? They, the few fighting men we have left, as well as that of the people. This man is a traitor. King Zedekiah agreed. All right, he said. Do as you like. I can't stop you. Um, you're the king. I don't, I don't know about this, dude. So the officials took Jeremiah from his cell. They took him from the dungeon that he was already at. Remember he was in a dungeon? They took him from the dungeon, and it says that they, 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 uh, they lowered him from his cell. They took, and lowered him by robes into an empty cistern in the prison yard. It belonged to... It belonged to Malchijah, a member of the royal family. There was no water in the cistern, but there was a thick layer of mud at the bottom. And when Jeremiah was down there, he sank down in the mud. Doesn't that sound miserable? Um, I had shared with you that I had just joined the Marine Corps. Another Marine story, right? I had just joined the Marine Corps, and um, we finished boot camp. And after boot camp, they let you go home for like 10 days, right? You go home, and you end up spending a lot of the money that you made in three months because the three months in boot camp, you can't really spend money. So everybody goes buck wild. They buy cars, all all sorts of things, right? But you come home for the purpose of resting, charging the batteries, seeing family, to go right back to a three-week program called, uh, uh, I don't even remember. It's combat training. It's some kind of combat training. It's a simulated simulated war that lasts about three weeks. So you go, you get all your stuff, and you go into the woods, and that's your home for three weeks. And sometimes, for most of the nights, you sleep in a uh, a foxhole that you make. So you dig, and and the the hole has to be, like, they're usually about, like, five feet, five, five to six feet deep. And... Um, it's wide enough for two guys to be in there together so that one guy could sit and sleep while one guy is, like, watching. And all that's sticking out is your, like, your little head, like your head and, and the gun. Let me tell you how I did this combat training in October. And if you guys know, um, October, end of September, is still, it's still hurricane season. Many of you guys know it's still hurricane season. So we had a mini hurricane that kind of was going through the area, and it rained the entire three weeks. You see, you see what today was? You guys are all, you guys are all G's. All, you guys are all gangsters. You guys got here, right? 
But imagine that and just not stopping. And, you're just, and you have no umbrella. And all your clothes are wet, even the ones in your bag. And when you go to change socks, you're, putting, you're taking your wet socks off for wet socks on. Like, you're just, you're, you're just wet for three weeks straight. It's like when you go to, the, you know, when you're in the pool and you get all pruned up. It's like being like that for three weeks. It was miserable. I was miserable. And when we had to be in the fighting hole, it was just all mud on the bottom. So when I read this, I remembered that feeling of being in mud. First of all, it's like your foot, you know, it gets stuck in there. Your stuff gets stuck in there. When you want to move around, it's, 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 it's a nasty, ugly feeling. And I don't know. I don't know why pigs like it so much. It's not cool. But now Jeremiah finds himself in this situation. In telling the truth about the destruction that was coming to, to, to the nation, he was accused of bringing everyone else down. When he said, you're going to lose to Babylon. The, you, the Babylonians are going to take over. Oh, we got to kill this guy. He's, he's, he's bringing the morale down on the men. This kind of talk is not going to encourage us. This type of talk isn't going to make us fight any stronger. This type of talk isn't going to make the, the nation better. He didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? We are living in times that people just want to be told what they want to hear. When the king called them and says, Jeremiah, does God have any word? He didn't want to hear, you're going to lose. He wanted to hear, you know what, there's still hope. You know what, if you do this, you can, over, you can overcome the Babylonians. If you do this, he wanted a message of hope. But at this point, there was no more hope left. They had failed to repent. They had failed to turn back to God. And the truth is the truth. But he didn't want to hear it. We are living in times people don't want to hear the truth. Remember that movie? What was it? A Few Good Men? Was that? You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Do you want the truth? I want the truth. You can't handle it. A lot of people just, they can't handle the truth. They can't handle the, 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 the simplicity of the fact is that sin, the consequence of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We want to sin and not face the consequences. But then when I tell you, when the word reminds us, when God says there's consequences for that, don't talk to me about consequences. I don't want to hear that part. Give me the, give, give me the part that, of his love and his grace. Give me that part. The love and grace is in there. But so is, <laughs> so is the wages of our choices. People don't want to hear the truth. Jeremiah's message was not popular. He was not popular. Because of his message, I'm on the way. I guess he was a different type of popular. Everybody knew him, right? But nobody wanted to hang out with him. He wasn't popular in the sense where he wasn't being, he wasn't in, being invited to dinner all the time. People didn't want to probably see him. They probably saw him walking. And you know when you see somebody, don't, don't, don't look, don't look, don't look. It's Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah. Don't look. Don't do that to people. Don't do that. When you see somebody that you know in the supermarket, go say hi. 
You don't have to stay and talk for a whole long. You'd be like, hey, how you doing? Hey, listen, I can't talk, but I just want to say hi, okay? And then keep going. Some of y'all are just bad. <laughs> quick, quick, babe, hide, hide. He was not popular. He was not popular among the people. And there's a point that I, I want to make here. I said we need to be careful. Church, please, please, we need to be so, so careful that we are not seeking popularity among the people. I'm going to tell you why. I mean, it's good to be liked. It's good to be liked. I, I, I rather, I, if I could choose, I'd rather everyone love me and everyone like me, and everyone enjoy being in my presence. If I could choose that, of course I would choose that. But the reality is it's not going to be true. Some people are going to do the same thing. They're going to they're accuse me as traitor. They're going to accuse me as, as this. They're going to say this. And, and what happens is when you stand for truth, it's, it comes with the territory. It comes to the territory. We've got to just understand that this is what happens when you are not willing to compromise. When you seek popularity among the people, in the long run, you will find yourself watering down the truth and compromising to please the people around you, to please the masses. The people wanted a word of mercy. They didn't want a word of justice. They wanted a God that would overlook the sin, right? They would overlook the sin, not a God that would punish them for it. But he kept speaking the truth. The truth was painful to deliver, and the truth can be painful to receive, right? You ever, you ever like, had a good friend tell you something? And you just look at that person like, yo, that's hurtful. And your friend's like, probably, but no one's going to tell you but me. Those are the friends you hold on to. Those are the friends you hold on to that are willing to tell you the truth no matter what. It causes people, when they hear the truth, to want to kill the messenger. Kill the messenger. I mean, it wasn't Jeremiah's plan. Like, he didn't go into his house and, and, and devise a plan on how he could make the Babylonians come in and destroy the nation. It wasn't his doing. God told him, this is what I'm going to do unless the people repent. Go tell them. That's all he did, the messenger. They were so angry, they wanted to kill him. Yet... Yet the king, you know, even though he, he pretty much was like, oh, yeah, I'll do what you want, he, he, he still didn't allow them to kill him, right? And so the officials, they did what the, best, the next best thing they thought. They put him into the cistern. Now, so this is what a cistern is. I want you guys to imagine. You guys know what a pear looks like, right? It's like little at the top, and then it opens up like that in the bottom. So imagine like an opening in the ground that's shaped like a pear. So the, the opening on top is small. But once you go down, it widens up on the bottom. And the purpose of cisterns, the cisterns were that fact that during the rainy season, they would fill it up. It was, it was carved out of, like, rock. It's usually in rock, right? Um, but it's, so when the rains would come, it would fill and it would fill and it would fill. And then when during the dry months, 
they would use it as like a well. They would use it as a well, and, and they would use that water um, to get by. It was empty. That's why the, the scripture says there was no water in it. Um, but you could say there still was mud at the bottom, so you could say it was probably still moist. It was wet. It was, it was just, you know, muddy. So here is another imprisonment. Listen, for the fact that they put him here means that this was a lot worse than the dungeon that he was in. So he went from one imprisonment to another. He went from one situation, from a bad situation to a worse situation, another knockdown. Escaping from this was virtually impossible because, you know, like I said, like the walls where you're at are, are real wide, and then they, they collect this. There's just no way to escape something like that. And Jeremiah finds himself sinking in the muddy bottom. That was, that, that's definitely a slow and filthy way for someone to die. All because he was faithful to the Lord. How many of us would remain faithful if we knew the level of punishment that may ha- await you from, from the world? Like, how many of us would know? Like, I mean, like, let's say, let's say I say, hey, Beth, if you pro- preach the gospel, you know, um, they're going to they're gonna torture your house. They're going to burn, their, you know, burn your, your car. You know, hey, if, if, if you keep preaching the gospel, um, they're going to beat your kids up in the schoolyard. If you keep doing this, I mean, can you imagine? Some of you are like, well, then I guess I'm just going to, I'll just stick to my Facebook. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine how many of us, and don't answer this question, don't answer this question, but use it as a self-reflection. How many of you would still move forward in obedience knowing that you would be persecuted? We have missionaries right now that go to China, and they know that. We have missionaries going to different parts of the world that leave a place that we live in, that they're free to, to exercise their faith, to go to countries where they're not free, to proclaim the gospel even though they are not supposed to and they can be persecuted for it. They can be killed for it. How many of us, some of us would tap out with the first thread of of being eliminated from certain circles Oh, you can't hang out with us no more. Uh, you stop getting invited to certain functions because, you know, you're the guy that always talking about God. You're the guy. Now, there's a balance. We could be social too, right? We were talking about that on, what was it, Tuesday night, about being social and how the social aspect is important to your Christian faith. We saw that Jesus, through his examples, was social. He went to parties. He had conversations. He went to dinners, things like that. So being social is, is important in, in, in bringing that into our faith. But there's a point where uh, you, you still can't, we, we still can't not be an example of what God wants. Okay, let's keep reading. Jeremiah 38. Jeremiah 38, 14, 18 says, One day King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah and had brought him through the third entrance of the Lord's temple. I want to ask you something, the king said, and don't try to hide the truth. (laughs) This guy. Jeremiah said, if I tell you the truth, you will kill me. And if I give you advice, you won't listen to me anyway. 
So King Zedekiah secretly promised. Why he got a secretly promise? You see, this guy, yo, oh, again, the naked nightness. Um, <laughs> he, says, he says, secretly promised him, as surely as the Lord our creator lives, I will not kill you or hand you over to the men that want you dead. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, this is what the Lord of God this is the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, if you surrender to the Babylonian officers, you and your family will live and the city will not be burned down. But if you refuse to surrender, you will not escape. This city will be handed over to the Babylonians and they will burn it to the ground. Again, the, the king sends for Jeremiah again. I, I guess he's hoping if I ask him again, maybe things have changed. If I just ask again, like the kids that ask you again and again, like if the answer's gonna be different the next time. Well, he did get a little bit of hope. If he would just surrender, they would spare his life and not burn the city down. Um, but the message remains the same. Jeremiah's message, his story reminds me of Jesus' story, right? We look at Luke chapter 4, verse 24. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. It's hard for the people that know you, to listen to you when it comes to the walk, you know, the faith, and it comes to their, to, to their walk with God. And um, I learned this the hard way. I know my wife, was, I, my wife has read this to me probably a million times in the last 13, 14 years um, because I was always trying to gather um, my, my circles that I grew up with, gather my, now that I was serving in ministry, right? And it's great when that happens, when I see Marvin and, and Ali and Mark together. I think that's awesome. Um, but their, their friendship foundation was founded on, 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 on serving God. You see, when I brought my old circles, were not. And so now I'm trying to go back to my circles and bringing them together, and I'm trying to lead them. They're not, they're not having it. They're not having Some of them are not having it. There are a couple that that listen. But, you know, when, when you feel uh, Jeremiah, he's with his countrymen, he's with his people, he's trying, he's not accepted, he's not listened, and that was what's happening with Jesus. Jesus went through that too. He was popular at first, right? But then the tides turned, um, people turned against him. He proclaimed the message of grace and justice, but he was not accepted by all. He encountered death threats. He was misunderstood. He was called names. You know, he was knocked down time and time again, but he kept going even though he knew the pain and suffering that lied ahead on the cross. He kept going. It was obedience to the Father that drove him to continue to speak the truth. Both Jeremiah and Jesus um, uh, continued they, they continued, uh, they persevered in obedience. And we too are called to do the same. To persevere through obedience. So how we do that? We stand by our convictions. 1 Corinthians 15, 8, 58 says, says, um, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Through it all, Jeremiah is standing on his convictions. He's standing firm. He's not swaying left or right from the mission that he was given. How many of us need to be reminded, stand firm, right? 
Sometimes we're going through life and we be like, we feel like, I don't know, I don't know. And 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 let the let the let the uh, scriptures encourage us and and motivate us. Stand firm. He says, nothing that you do for the Lord is in vain. Many times what causes us to waver is the fact that we think we're not being effective, right? We, th- we were serving God, we're, doing, we're being obedient to his word, and we feel like it's not making a difference. And so therefore, we're, we're, it's quicker for us to be like, ah. But it says that nothing you do for the Lord is in vain. You may not see what God is doing, but he's doing something. We can't sway from our mission. We have a mission, each and every one of us. It's to seek and save the lost. That's what we need to be doing. You know, a person that has conviction, like, he knows, he and she, they know what they believe. You ever, yo, you ever talk to somebody that is like, their convictions was the world is flat? Anybody flat? No, we're not gonna, you're not going to get into that? The world's flat, pastor. Okay. No, 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 you understand. Because of this and this, they want you to think it's this. They want you to live. And they go into this whole thing. And, and they, they have, their convictions are strong. Are, do we have convictions like that when it comes to God and his things? You can't force. You, we, <laughs> the funny thing is that we can't force our convictions on people. We can't. You know, convictions, they come, they, the convictions come from truth or what the individual perceives as true, right? The mission, the calling by God that can't be altered by time, by people, by opinions, circumstances. Every day we live challenges our convictions as Christians. Every day we wake up, we face challenging situations that challenge our convictions, but the person who perseveres in obedience lives by those convictions each day. So we have to stand by our convictions. We need to persevere, persevere by making the right choices. People who keep going, people that persevere, they do that because they make, they're making right choices. When they get down, knocked down, <laughs> they get back up. The choices that we make yesterday, they affect today. The choices that we make today, they affect our tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens is obedience is always a choice. You see, we have, it's based on our decisions, but obedience is also a choice. Will you choose to be obedient? Will you choose that? No one forces us to obey God. Is anybody here forced? Forced? We're not forced to obey God his word, or his will. It boils down to a decision that each and every one of you have to make and says, I choose to surrender my life to God. I choose to obey. I choose to follow. I choose to be faithful or not. I choose to make myself available or not. Remember, we had the excuses in week one, and we have to choose to say no more excuses. We have to choose to be like, you know what? Take, take it all, God. Now, the thing is this. Even though we have to choose, we face this weird problem 
where we have to make these choices. You have to make the decisions. But then there's a problem when we want to make them on our own knowledge, on our own wisdom, on our own understanding. And the thing is this, we make bad choices when we do that. We make bad and wrong decisions when we make it on our own desires, our own will, what makes sense to you. When we are in the Word, when, we, when in the Word we see that we aren't supposed to do that. Psalms 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We persevere by making the right choices, but church, we got to make these choices by holding and seeking on to the Lord. Do you guys, I mean, do you guys, do you guys get that part? We have to make the decisions, but we need to hold on to Christ or we make these decisions so we can make right decisions. Yo, some people have got to be exhausted by now, making decisions on their own over and over and over again and be like, ah, nothing is ever working. Nothing goes right. This and that. And it's struggling over and over again. And finally, I mean, just finally, would you just be like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Like it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to, it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a last result, but some, some people are just stubborn and hard-headed. So like they, they just need to go through all the frustrating uh, failures and, and so forth to finally say, okay, I'll listen. Like Abigail, she kept telling me that the, that the local way to go home was faster than the highway. I, I said, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, it's not. And it was, it was like for like a month straight because she always wanted to go home the local way. And I'm like, I'm not going to take local home. We got to jump on 95. Let's go home quick. And one day we were on 95. She must have been like talking. And all of a sudden she was like, oh, we're home? She's like, okay, daddy. I guess you're right. Highway is the faster way home. <laughs> okay, God, you're right. Your way is better than my way. Your understanding, your wisdom. Why is it so hard for us? Because we all want to be in control of our destiny. We want to be in control of what our body does, what our words say, what our mind thinks. We want to be in control. It's so hard to be like, God, you do it. You tell me. Lastly, lastly, I wanted to wrap up and say we persevere and keep going when we refuse to compromise. We talked about compromise briefly earlier, but when you refuse to compromise... Today's message is keep going. We're going to get knocked down. We got to keep going. And some of the ways that we continue to do this is just by refusing to compromise. Now, before we talk about this really quick, I want you guys to understand this. Don't look at your wives and husbands and be like, you see, that's why. It's got to be my way. No, no. We're not talking about compromise within relationships because compromise in relationships is necessary to maintain the peace and the harmony of relationships. Compromise should come from both the husband and the wife. So we're not talking about relationships. We're talking about compromising truth. We have to refuse 
to compromise truth. Refuse it. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4 says, Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. The Bible has plenty of examples of people that refused to compromise. And when they refused to compromise, you saw the mighty power of God, the mighty hand of God move powerfully in their lives. Nations were changed. Kings uh, were changed. You look at, look at Daniel. Daniel refused to compromise. He refused. Thrown into a den of lions. Some of us would be like, all right, wait a minute. Let me rethink this. God, I'll say sorry later. I'll f- forgive me later, Lord. Forgive me later. I'll repent later, Lord. I just don't want to die right now. He refused to compromise. He saw the lions like, well, do what you got to do. And not one lion touched him. The three Hebrew boys refused to compromise. And they were thrown into a fiery furnace where they were saw dancing. God used men, that, men and women that refused to compromise for his glory. Nations were changed. Kings were enlightened. This must be the true God then if he saved you. We can't be afraid when it comes to, oh, maybe I need to compromise. No, we can't be afraid. Standing firm and refusing to compromise, God will show off in a powerful way in your life. You know, Jeremiah didn't compromise. But on the flip side, let's talk about a couple that did compromise. King Saul, man, first king of Israel. Favor in the eyes of God. You know, strong. He compromised. Well, what what exactly did he do? Well, I mean, he did a couple things. But something that's happening more frequently in the world that we live in today is that he sought advice from a medium. Do you guys know what that is? Fortune teller. You know, going and, 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 and it's like, tell me what's going to happen. You know? And all the things that are associated with that. There's a big movement in our society with this stuff right now. I want you guys to be made aware that that is not, that is not something that we believe in at all. When you take part of things like that, you are opening gateways to things that do not belong in your life. Gehazi. Does anybody remember Gehazi? Elijah's assistant. He compromised for money. For money. And for that, he was struck down with leprosy. Man, this guy... He got to walk with Elijah, Elijah every day and would compromise. Struck down with leprosy. In Revelation chapter 2, we see the church of Thyatira compromised by tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. The Bible says they had good deeds. They loved people, 
They did all the good things, yet they still tolerated Jezebel. Now, I want to tell you this because we're talking about compromise. Church, did you know that when you tolerate sin, that's a form of compromise? Can, can, I, can I say that again? I don't, maybe you guys don't understand. When you tolerate sin, that's a form of compromise. Parents, if you tolerate your children being a part of things that they shouldn't be, you're compromising. Spouses, when we tolerate sin in our marriage, we're compromising. Sometimes, sometimes we say, well, God knows I just want to keep the peace. And so for the sake of peace, we tolerate sin, meaning we compromise. It's been a quiet house today. Maybe I didn't put enough jokes in here. But church, listen when I tell you, we need to take a stand and refuse to compromise. Can we, take a, can we stand up to your feet today, church? God is seeking men and women that will boldly proclaim the word not only in speech, but in how you live your life. He wants to use your, each and every one of you, but not tomorrow. He wants to use you today. Throughout these four weeks, we've seen, we've seen that God can and will use any man or woman that is willing to make themselves available to him. So, one of the main points I wanted you guys to get is that God can use you. He can. There's no special school that you need to go to. There's no special way that you need to talk or are we to walk. Because I know some people, we were talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody and says, how come, somebody asked me, how come when this guy speaks, he changes his voice? Oh, we were talking sometimes people think that's how you have to talk. You don't have to talk a certain way. You don't have to look a certain way. You just need to make yourself available to God. I don't know about you. And, and, and I'm not saying this to be proudful or anything like that. I've just never been okay sitting on the bench watching the game. Like that, that's just me. I mean, I've 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 always been active growing up, not active anymore. But I've been active growing up in sports, and I would play. You know, if I had to sit on the bench, then I was like, no, 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 there's something wrong with this. I'm not cool with that. Put me in, coach. Let me show you what I can do. How many of you guys have the put me in coach mentality right now? to God. God, put me in. Let me show you. Let me show you what I can do for you. Let, 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 me, let me surrender my life to you. Let, 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 me just, let me just make myself useful to you. Put me in, God. Put me in, God. Take an honest moment right now. Think about your life. What are you doing for God at this moment?
or is your life centered all around you? What are you doing for the kingdom right now? It's time to put away all excuses. Jesus is coming soon. It's time to rise above the discouragement. Jesus is coming soon. It's time to ask him to give us a heart that will break for his because Jesus is coming soon. It's time to keep going and actively expanding the kingdom of God because Jesus is coming soon. The choice is yours, church. Choose today whom you will serve. Choose, choose today whom you will serve. Let's be honest. Are, are we serving God? Or are we serving money? Are we serving fame? Are we serving popularity? Are we serving selfish desires and wants? Are we serving our children above God? Are we serving our spouses above God? Is our career more important? Are we serving our bosses in our career before God? Choose today whom you will serve.